0: Romans Untangled, a podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so we can enjoy its beauty. Season 1, Episode 1, Paul, the Servant of Christ Jesus. Hi, my name is Pastor Steve Treichler of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, It's a very cold day up here in the great white north. Uh, I have been a follower of Jesus Christ since my freshman year at the University of Minnesota. That was 1983. And I know for many of you, you like my church, it's filled with a lot of young people. You weren't even around in 1983. That makes me either uh, very smart uh, or very old, or, or maybe both, or maybe just one of them, uh, which would be old. <laughs> anyway, it is my very, very, High privilege to welcome you now to this podcast where we're going to dive into the Book of Romans. It has been my honor to have started a church in 1996 called Hope Community Church. Uh, we started it with a few people in my living room. I know that sounds very quaint, but it has also has the added advantage of being a true story. Uh, we did that in 1996. And since then, we've had opportunities to start other churches in the area, around the nation, and have helped uh, some missions around the world as well as develop some leaders. That has been our passion. And so my passion in this series, if you're just joining us, is to take this book of the Bible, which has been so instrumental for me, both in my life, uh, and but also in my understanding of Scripture, and also that it leads to an understanding of how to do ministry in a way that I think honors God and honors the gospel. Let me tell you a couple things about the podcast here. First of all, I'm not a professional podcaster. Uh, I'm just gonna be normally sitting here in my basement or this time I'm on a little bit of a road trip. I'm in Chicago. I'm just sitting here with a microphone on my MacBook Pro. There'll be times where I have to turn the thing off and come back on. It just is gonna be kind of what it is. (laughs) I want this to be very accessible podcast for you. So if you're brand new to the Bible, this is great. And you can always email me questions at steve at hopecc.com. I would love to do that. It's it's gonna seem like it's a bit entry-level for some of you who maybe are a little further along in Romans. Don't worry, when we get going, you'll find some of the stuff very challenging as we go there. Uh, at time from time to time, I'll have guests on with me. I'm very excited to have some of those. And and from time to time, if we get enough good questions coming into me uh my email. I uh, will just do a response to questions episode uh, from here to there. It's going to come out about once a week. I'm kind of aiming at the 20 to 30 minutes of podcast, and, and I have absolutely no idea how long this it's going to take to get through the book. I'm not that well planned out. How do you listen to a podcast like this? Well, I, I would ask a couple things. First off, I think you'll need a Bible. And uh, you can listen along and you might be driving in your car. That's great. But I would love for you to have a, a paper Bible so you can understand some of the things. And we'll be looking at different scripture passages throughout scripture. And so to flip back and forth and kind of get a feel for how the whole of scripture comes together, that would be great a notebook or somewhere where you could jot down some notes. That would be great. And get a good beverage, uh, maybe a coffee or, or a, whatever you like to drink, and, and just sit back and enjoy the ride. Let me tell you about my history with the Book of Romans. Uh, I started just reading the book, not knowing any better that it was a really complicated book, and just fell in love with the book. In the year 2005, I started uh, a book, a class at our church called the Roman Study, and it was a retreat, a week long, where we started, uh, took people through, and we walked through the first eight chapters of the Book of Romans in a 44-hour retreat. It has been my privilege now to do that every year since, it's either 2004, 2005, and this is 2021. With the pandemic, we're going to be doing it a little bit later this year than we normally do. We normally do it the first or second week of January every year. I want to give credit where credit's due. During that time, I've been heavily influenced by several people. Norm Meyer is probably who I affectionately called Normie, has been at the top of the list. Norm has influenced me, has encouraged me. He will be a guest on some of these Romans Unplugged, uh, excuse me, Romans Untangled. I keep calling it that. Uh, and he has been very influential in my thinking over the years. Uh, Also, a couple other guys who helped me teach the the retreat, uh, Davis Johnson, one of our pastors at Hope, who I affectionately call Millennial Snowflake because he's so young, but yet, wow, he's way beyond his years in in understanding Scripture and understanding how it gets put together. And then uh, uh, a young guy, I guess not so young anymore, a guy by the name of Ed Liebert. He was one of our first employees at Hope way back in the day. Uh, Ed came to faith at Hope Community Church. Uh, way back when he was a college student. He's now been out of college for many, many years, about 20, I'm going to guess. Uh, I call him Head, which if you remember the, the movie, I Married an Axe Murderer, uh, goes <laughs> through that. But Ed has just has a passion for the Book of Romans and has been helping teach the course now for, I think, the last three or four years. He's, he's, he's great. If you are planning and you're able to do a Romans retreat either this year or next year, I would encourage you maybe to do that before you listen to some of these podcasts just because it's fun to let some of these things develop. I've also learned from a lot of smart people over the years, living and dead, and I want to give credit to them and I will bring them up along in this journey. The Bible has a big storyline to it. That's a word you're going to hear over and over and over And to make it simple, if you're brand new to Scripture, the the storyline goes something like this. There was creation. God created the world exactly the way he wanted it to be. It was sinless. It was perfect. But we fell into sin. It happens very quickly in Scripture. In Genesis 3, we fall into sin. But from Genesis 3, God doesn't give up on us. There's a redemption story that starts to get played out right from Genesis chapter 4. And it plays itself all the way out until the last two chapters of Scripture where we see the final part of our story, the restoration, which is where things will always be right, will be made exactly the way they were. So the last two chapters of the Bible and the first two chapters of the Bible are the only chapters on where it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. The big question in Scripture is how does this story, how does this long story of redemption work? And in order to understand kind of the storyline of Scripture, there are three books in Scripture that you really need to take time, you really need to master. Those three books are Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. So if you're just brand new to the Bible, this is actually a great place to start because you'll get a picture of the whole of Scripture by looking through the book of Romans. So again, I really want to invite you into this. Let's dive into it. We're going to do one verse today. And our big question for today is, who is this guy who wrote this book, the Apostle Paul? Let's look at uh, chapter one, verse one. I'm reading this week. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. That's the version I was given when I became a follower of Christ, and I've been stuck with it ever since. And so uh, you can read from any version. That's fine. Uh, sometimes they're helpful to see from different versions. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus." called to be an apostle, and set apart for the gospel of God. So who is this guy, Paul? He, he was not one of the original disciples of Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth, he chose 12 men to be his disciples, one of which betrayed him, Judas. Another one came in. Uh, we learn about that in the book of Acts by the name of Matthias. So he's not an apostle like that. He comes differently than the others. He's known as Paul or St. Paul, which is one of the cities uh, in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. He's also known by the name Saul, which was his given name. He ends up being the guy that writes 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Now, we don't have perfect biographical data about the Apostle Paul, but he was born somewhere roughly, scholars believe, between 5 BC, 5 AD, somewhere in there, right around the time of Christ, right in there. And he ends up dying at the hands of Nero after the great fire. So it's somewhere between July of 64 and before Nero's death was sometime in, in 68. So he lives to be a man into his 60s roughly. Okay, There are some places in scripture where Paul gives his own story of his life. You can find those in Acts chapter 22 and Acts chapter 26. And the beautiful thing about those two chapters is he's explaining his life story and how it pertains to his Christian journey to people outside the faith. So he makes things relatively clear to them. Okay, so I I commend you to look at Acts twenty two and Acts twenty six and and some of the things we learn there is about his early life and how he was trained by uh, Gamaliel, who was the foremost scholar at the time, the Jewish scholar. He was getting trained in Judaism. In the book of Galatians, in chapter one, we see Paul uh, talking about his life before he knew Christ. And he describes it this way. I'm going to read from chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. He says to them, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. Father, excuse me. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son, that's Jesus, in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Okay, so Paul's laying down his argument here, he's laying down his life, to the people of Galatia saying, the gospel I received was from God. I didn't make it up. I wasn't, I was called of God. Okay. Very important. So he is an apostle. Some would argue he's the 13th apostle. uh, And it's really one of the very few that have that title of capital A apostle. Others are sent of God to do things. They're small a apostle. But The Apostle Paul was capital A Apostles. What he goes through, you can read. uh, We learn about a lot of his life through the book of Acts. Uh, Acts. He comes on the scene in chapter 7 when there is this dispute going on. And it's a dispute with one of the early followers of Jesus, a man that I'm named after, Stephen. Actually, my full name is Stephen Paul Dreikler. My mom named me after two martyrs, which uh, that's not necessarily the best thing, but named after Stephen. And Stephen is giving his account of why he's a follower of Jesus in Acts chapter 7. And at the end of this, the people who are there, they are so angry with him. They rush him. They drag him out of the city. They pick up stones big hunks of think think like bricks that are broken or you know hunks of rock and they throw him throw at him and he ends up dying this all happens and something we see in acts chapter 7 verse 58 this is where we meet this guy it says meanwhile the people doing this the witnesses laid their clothes they took off their outer outer jackets and all that And because they're going to be sweaty and hot as they're throwing these stones at Stephen, they lay them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, if you go on to chapter 8, it says, And Saul was there giving approval to his death. And it goes on to say in Acts chapter 8, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And then it says, and I love this verse, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I just love that. It's like, it's like scratching a rash thinking you're getting rid of it but it's just spreading all over your body. That's a bad thing. The gospel being spread under persecution is a beautiful thing and it's spreading, right? Now, we move then out to Acts chapter 9. Saul, who's later going to become the apostle Paul, if you if you were to if you were to like take a poll of the least likely guy to become a follower of Christ, you would pick the apostle Paul, his name was Saul then. You'd say, no way. This guy was opposed to Christianity. He was so opposed to Christianity for for religious reasons, he thought Christians were an anathema, that means like a curse upon the world, and we should just rid the world of them. In fact, when you get to Acts chapter 9, which describes clearly what happened to Saul, it starts by saying, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the disciples. That's a great phrase, right? He was breathing them out. It's <laughs> just, just coming out of his mouth. And, he, and he's done this in his certain place. So he goes to the high priest and he asks, and says, can I go to other places? And he says, I want, I want to be able to go to another city. I want to go to Damascus. And I want to persecute those people who are Christians there. And it says then in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says back to what he just heard, Who are you, Lord? And the reply is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Okay, so just to kind of, this is an amazing moment. God, through the person of Jesus Christ, so it's who Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, the resurrected Jesus appears, he hears his voice, he speaks to this man named Saul, who's on his way to imprison and kill men and women who are followers of Christ. He's on his way to do that. And Jesus appears to him and he says, I, I'm going to tell you what you got to do. So he goes into the city, Can't he's blind now. He goes into the city and for three days, he's blind. He can't eat or drink anything. Goes on to say in Acts chapter nine, it says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Uh, The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I love Ananias, I love this. And I love what he says next. He says, Lord, uh, Lord, I, 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 you know, I, I've heard many reports about this, this guy and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And now he's on his way coming there to, to do the same thing here in Damascus to all who call on your name. Basically saying, Lord, you know what you're doing here? And I love Jesus' answer. He says, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So what does Ananias do? I love it. Doesn't make any sense to him, but he goes. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. Now, don't One of the best advice I can give you, especially if you're new to the Bible, is read the Bible like it's true, because it is true. And realize the animosity. This is a man who came to kill me, to kill or imprison my family. And Saul is there in silence, and he's there, he can't see. Ananias comes, he's been told of Jesus that this is going to be my guy and the first words out of ananias's mouth are brother Saul that's crazy that's awesome brother Saul the lord jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here sent me so that you may see and be filled with the lord or be filled with the holy spirit and immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. Immediately after this, this man Saul starts to preach that Jesus Christ is actually who he said he was. That Jesus Christ was the Messiah that we were waiting for. Now, how does a guy in three days go From reading the Old Testament a certain way, three days, this event happens, and in three days he's completely convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was the answer, and that Jesus was the Messiah. What was he thinking about in those three days of silence? And the reality is, I don't know but I have a guess. I read it somewhere on the internet. I heard it in a podcast, and and, and now you're hearing it in a podcast, so it's got to be true, right? <laughs> I have a guess what he's thinking about, and my guess comes from what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul kind of lays down a little bit of his story, but, but more, not just the, the biographical data, but more about what's going on in his heart. And, and I, I, I can't prove it, but, but I, I'm guessing that during those three days he was thinking about this. And let me just read from Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11, some of my favorite words in Scripture. And he says this, He's speaking now to a church that that he helped fi- uh, found, and, and he's encouraging them, and he says this, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason, reasons for such confidence. Okay, so let me just back up here. Again, if you're brand new, some of that might be a little tricky language here. He's talking about those mutilators of the flesh. In other words, those who practice circumcision. Well, who's the people that practice circumcision? Well well, Jewish people who put their faith in the Jewish system, the Jewish law. Well, wait a minute now. That 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 was Paul when he was Saul. He he he's describing himself. He's saying the storyline that they're the way that they're understanding the Old Testament is actually detrimental to the ways of God. He goes on to explain. This is in the middle of verse four now. He says, if, if someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Okay, let me just back this up now. What's he saying about this? He says, if, if you think you can put more hope in your religious heritage, especially if you come from a Jewish clan, you think that, that, that somehow that puts you ahead of, the, the, of everybody else, let me tell you about my pedigree. First off, I was circumcised the way you were supposed to be on the eighth day. I am in the people of Israel. I'm also of the tribe of Benjamin, and I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to following the law calls he calls himself a Pharisee a Pharisee at that time. I know that they'd get a bad rap like they're hypocrites and and of course in scripture we see a lot of that but the Pharisee was someone who was a Bible person they they looked at the idolatry of Israel at the time and they they reformed Israel to be people who once again looked at the Bible with seriousness and he said, I was that person I was a person who was passionate about the old Bible the Old Testament and in fact, if you look at zeal, I persecuted the church. In other words, here, here we're in a meeting, and, 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 and there's a, there's the group of, of Jewish leaders are saying, you know what, this this sect of Christianity, it's really gotten out of hand. Uh, we don't know what to do about it. Uh, we, need to, we need someone to take care of this. Is anyone willing to do something? And, I, and Paul, Saul at that time would raise his hand and says, I was the first one to raise my hand and say, I'll do whatever it takes to rid the world of this sect that is ruining what we believe. And then he says this, which clarifies why he believed that. He says, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. What is he saying? He's saying, look at the Old Testament, look at the laws, look at the do's and the don'ts. And he says, I I challenge you, find a do that I didn't do Find a don't that I didn't don't. Wait, I don't know if I said that right, but you get the idea. He says, if you want to say, did you do it right? I did it right. I followed all the rules. I was a complete rule follower. And then he realizes something. He realizes that he's a sinner. That maybe just looking at the rules on the outward side was not enough and that he doesn't just uh, need to be his own, his own savior by following the rules. Righteousness is the same word as justice. I'm gonna get justice because I followed the rules. I'm better than other people. He now rounds it out, and in verse seven, he says this. He says, but whatever gains to me, whatever were in the profit column, I now consider in the debit column. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them scuba, which is a a Greek word which means dung pile. It's where where they would go out to the city gates and that's where they'd put excrement. It's, It's disgusting. I consider them garbage. I consider all my good works that I was trying to do so that God would love me, I now consider that to be garbage, that I may be that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not 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 being okay with God because I followed all these rules and I obeyed him. Instead, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, Paul is saying here, I I had it backwards. I thought God would accept me because I followed all the rules, and therefore I'd be okay with him. And the way that it works is you first get okay with God because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, getting a righteousness from him, and then you obey. You obey because you're already okay. You don't obey to get okay. It's a small difference. It's a radical difference. It changes everything, and Christ is the answer. And then he says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The Apostle Paul starts to realize that the storyline of Scripture is not about being a good boy, being a good Jewish boy, getting people to follow the laws. It's about realizing you're a sinner and that you need grace. And that grace comes by someone who at Paul's time was a contemporary and for us was 2,000 years ago. At the cross of Jesus Christ, he pays for all of our sin. And that if we take him and we accept him, we say yes to him, that he takes our sin for us and our righteousness is not found on our own. It's not found on how we do before or even during or after we come to the place of trusting Christ. It comes because we are in him and therefore he completes this all. He makes us okay. This so changes the apostle Paul's life that immediately he has to tell everyone, He has to tell everyone that he can about Jesus Christ, and that's what he's going to be doing in this book, Par Excellence. He's going to tell the gospel of Jesus in such a remarkable way. It helps those who are brand new to the faith and those who've been a follower of Jesus for many years get a refreshed vision of what it is that Christ did for them. That's a quick introduction into the Apostle Paul. That's the guy who wrote this book I hope you are excited to uh, chew more on that this week. Uh, Next week, we'll look at the recipients of this letter, the people of ancient Rome.